Okay, uh, Keith here. Before you go into this, you should just know that uh, as we were recording this, I have an 11-month-old puppy, and he was in a mood when we recorded this. So you're going to hear a lot of stops and starts, um, occasional distractions, um, some odd noises. It's still a good episode. I still think you'll dig it. I would not put it out if I didn't think it was worth it, but just know... Um, there is more rocky stuff going on here than is typical. Uh, right on. Hope you dig it. Thanks. Hey there. Welcome to We've Been Had, where we, we talk about... i got to rewrite this copy. <laughs> we, we talk about albums. And you listen to us talk. That's it. That's that's yeah. gold, Jerry. That's right. That's right. Listen, make it as mathematical as you can. <laughs> it's a tautology. Um, I am Keith Pilly, and I'm Chad Cook. And uh, the deal, as always, is that we take turns picking an album, and then we both uh, go off, listen to it, dig into it, come back, and talk about it. Um, oh, I didn't update this properly. Um, this time around, it was your pick. That is correct. Not my pick. And, uh, and what, what, what did you choose? I chose the uh, Modern Lovers album, The Modern Lovers. <laughs> they went all in. I think they call that eponymous in the uh, business. Yeah, hell yeah. Unless you're R.E.M. and then you're just fucking obnoxious and call an album eponymous. So that, that's kind of douchey. But I, I mean, it was the 80s. It's maybe, yeah, maybe douchey's wrong. It's a little academic for my taste. That's, when you got a guy that looks like Mike Mills in the band, that's, true. that's what happens. Um... <laughs> Uh, Tombstone Info on the Modern Lovers, released 1976 on the fucking awesomely named Berserkly Records. <laughs> um, I mean, if you're going to have a pun in your label name, mm. that's that's how you do it. Uh, recorded in 1971 and 72. A lot of it was produced by John Cale. It feels to me like the Cale songs are the good ones. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, <laughs> rest uh, produced by Alan Mason, who I know fucking nothing about. Kind of a drop-off. John Cale, Alan Mason. Alan Mason. You know, uh, you clearly don't own the Alan Mason project. That's correct. I do um, not. This was intended to be a demo, which I assume we'll get into. Yeah, later. and it's, I mean, the just the modern lover's story is kind of crazy. Absolutely. Um uh, up top, just in case someone is some fucking lunatic is listening and has not heard this record, how would you describe this record? I mean, I'd, uh, you know, that's a, that's a really good probing question. It's sort of, it's sort of somewhere between Jonathan Richmond's solo stuff and like a proto punk album. Yeah, I think. Uh, yeah, and I think we'll. I think we're going to be bouncing off of those two poles. The whole night. Yeah. I, I am ashamed to admit that my first exposure to Jonathan Richmond is the movie There's Something About Mary. Same. Same. The weirdest thing for me, so like, I, I yeah, didn't know, you know, I had no idea who he was when I saw that. I saw that with our friend Joel, who is like militantly against all modern culture, you know, <laughs> like, like proudly says he has not listened to new music since 1992. But he was like, oh, yeah, well, that's Jonathan Richmond. You know who Jonathan Richmond is, right? And I'm like, what? No, what? Who? 
Um, yeah, a feather in his cap for, for yeah. knowing that. I mean, you know, Richmond's pre-92, so That's true. it checks out. Um, I guess I, I didn't, you know, this is just sort of an overarching, like, I, I didn't realize how, like, essential the keyboard and organ is. Yes. To the modern lover sound versus the Jonathan Richmond solo sound. Absolutely, that's that, that was like my big thing too. And at first, I thought I was just like hearing that because Jerry Harrison had done that interview that we both listened yeah, to. Yeah, it was really good, you really know, interesting. Yeah, like cool guy. Um, but so then, I, I at first listening to this, I thought like, wow, I'm I'm just I'm so aware of the organ because I'm like on the Jerry Harrison yeah vibe. But uh, no, like it's just it's produced like I. I would say that's the primary difference because you always have, you know, Jonathan yeah. Richmond has has sort of his humor is sort of embedded in all of his stuff or his yeah. viewpoint. Yeah. And his solo stuff is is more, you know, is more him doing that same thing, but yeah. with guitar and drums. Like it doesn't have that like sonic bedrock in the keyboard yeah. Yeah. that this has. Totally. I. I don't remember what song I had this marked, you know, to mention, but it just kind of—it's an overarching thing. The thing that I started hearing, you know, listening to this record over and over, that I can't not hear now, is that these guys are arranged almost exactly like the Doors. Yeah. Like, 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 and and Harrison plays a lot like Ray Manzarek, and like. Any other thoughts on Ray Man's Eric that you'd like to share? I love Kyle MacLachlan's portrayal of him <laughs> in the shitty Doors movie. Um, no, but you know, I was just it was, and the the other thing that I will pick back up later is that I'd never caught how much, especially the young Jonathan Richman, um, his delivery sounds like Iggy Pop, just like a little. You know, yeah. less dangerous and more polite. For sure. I, don't, I mean, I don't want to jump ahead, but one of my notes for uh, one of the later songs is that it sounds like with a little different production, yeah, it's I Want to Sleep in Your Arms. could be like a Stooges song. Is that the one? There's one that was co-written with Iggy in that. Yeah, that would be awesome if that was it and I didn't realize that. That was it. Yeah, see? <laughs> Independent <laughs> verification. <laughs> It's nice to know you're not crazy sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, but so like, I get a kick out of that. That like, I I would uh, until you picked this record, I would never have thought to like conflate those two guys at all. And you know, I, I had no idea that Iggy co-wrote one of the songs here. But yeah, like, I wonder how that even happened. Like, because Jonathan Richmond was very young when this album yeah. was recorded. I well, I, I get the feeling that this demo was just like bouncing around forever. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me at all if at some point someone's like, hey, 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 this guy sounds like you. And, you know, and, and one of the things I love about Iggy is that he, you know, like he's, he, for all that he fronts like this, like, I'm a wild man. He's actually this pretty smart, you yeah. know, interesting, clever guy. And I'm sure, like, like, he seems like the kind of person who would, would have appreciated this record, you know, when it was an unreleased demo. And I mean, I think Jonathan Richmond, it's different, but uh, yeah. in some ways similar to like Daniel Johnson. Yeah. Is like a like someone who is kind of a an artist's artist. Yeah, yeah, if you will. totally. That exact vibe. So I didn't mean to cut you off. Um, you know, you were kind of heading towards the band's story. 
you know, I had my, I've got my rigid formula, but uh, I like, like. Yeah, let's go formula, formulaic. Let's, well, I mean, we're out of the, we're out of the for, formula. Says go free now. I live outside the formula. <laughs> There's a reason I was briefly, briefly an engineer or an engineering <laughs> school, and and then was asked to leave politely. They said your, your designs are just too out of the box. I think the biggest thing was the professor, chemistry professor, saying something about uh, about this this atom wanting electrons, <laughs> and I'm like, wanting electrons? Like that doesn't make sense to me. It's so, poetry. It's before I read the Tao of Physics. I guess. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, did you read the Tao of Physics? I did. Yeah. That's, that, that was I. I got a copy of that from you know, from Tim Jensen. Um, and I got kind of scolded by other kids in the Morris Physics Department for reading that book. Because it was too, like, ethereal? Yeah, you know, it was just, it was not hard science. It was too woo-woo. Well, so that actually helped me understand, like... Yeah, exactly, like, you should not be fucking mad that people are trying to make this stuff accessible. Like, you should be... I didn't realize physics was so punk rock. Uh, it, it's a bad kind of punk rock. It's like... Very much like a bunch of stuck-up, hardcore kids just, you know, pissed that someone bought the new Black... You know, like, angry that someone who's not in the circle bought the new Black Flag record, so now they're they're lame. Interesting, that's, yeah. That's, Would never have guessed that, that it was, you know, it was such a... You know, well, I guess when 50% of it hasn't evolved since Newton. <laughs> oh. Yeah, 50 might be low. Sidebar on that. Swinging back to the modern lovers. Um, what the fuck? Yeah, it's just just a weird thing. Like, so they were. Uh, do I have it right? They record the demo. They're kind of a hot thing, and then the band just kind of slowly falls apart. Yeah, before the records released, I believe. Yeah. Well, I, I thought this was like my understanding was they couldn't even record the real record. They like had this demo and. Just kind of fell apart as people were showing interest, and then they're like, "Ah, uh, the demo is going to be the record someday." Then, uh, yeah, and I think based on just based on that Jerry Harrison interview, it it sounds like like this album was just too rock and roll for Jonathan Richmond's taste. Yeah, which which is a bizarre a bizarre take, but you don't become Jonathan Richmond by being a you know. <laughs> yeah. A, a normal person. Yes, that's when when, when you commit to like I'm going to do everything my way. You got to do everything yep. in your way. Yep. He's he does not waver. I uh, so I had never heard this until I stepped back to do the you know do the research for the show. Apparently, part another part of the breakup was the band was affected. So at some point during recording. They were all really upset because they were friends with Graham Parsons, and he died, and that upset them. And apparently, apparently, the day before Parsons died, I had never heard this before. He and Jonathan Richmond had been playing miniature golf and just like talking about recording. Oh, man, what to be a fly on the wall? Yeah, for a Jonathan Richmond Graham Parsons mini golf session. Hey, what the fuck? That's so. It's just it's weird to me that it. You know, I guess this is part of my my country alt country upbringing, but you know, Graham Parsons was always sort of on this pedestal of yeah. you know people that you know were great and died really young. So just hearing about him 
interacting with a person who's still alive is kind of strange. Pretty weird. And, and playing miniature golf. <laughs> and that also means that, like, Graham Parsons and, and Keith Richards were friends. So there's, you know, there's just like one degree of separation from Jonathan Richmond and Keith Richards, and those seem like completely different musical universes. Yeah, they definitely, and just completely different people. Yeah, uh, yeah. I guess that's uh, that. That tells you who Graham Parsons is. If he's like he's the man who can bridge Jonathan Richmond and Keith Richards. Yeah, it's, maybe he's like. Do you remember that movie SLC Punk? Yes. Where there's like that one guy who goes between all the different like all the different groups yeah. and sort of organizes things. Yeah. Like, that's Grant Parsons, I guess. Yeah. It's a good person to be. You need that. Um yeah. So to me this feels like uh, uh, this is kind of the direction the conversation has gone. To me this just feels like Jonathan Richmond's band, you know, like I, I know they are at this point, we're fronting themselves as like we're a unit, but it just it feels the modern lovers to me feel like Jonathan Richmond, Jerry Harrison, and those other two guys. Yeah, and I think you know, Jonathan, John, you can just Jonathan Richmond's fingerprints are all over the lyrics and yeah, the, yeah, the content. But yeah. I do, I do think the you know, like I said, I think the I I did not give Jerry Harrison his due. Yeah, uh, that you know the impact he had. If you just juxtapose the this versus the Jonathan Richmond solo stuff, it's Absolutely. night and day. Yeah, the uh, you know, and I mean, so what's the drummer's name? David Robinson. I guess he went on to the Admiral. <laughs> oh, uh, quick break here while I untangle a dog, some power cables. Uh, probably edit that out. Okay. How did you get? How did you get I, into that? I don't that? know. But that's impressive. Yeah. Okay. Yep. There you go. Sit. Okay. Maybe I'll leave that in. Oh. It's a long history of dog noise on this podcast. That's right. Just one of the many areas where we strive for professionalism. <laughs> hey, it was a big deal when I learned to take the, the collars off so that when they shake in the background. Yeah. yeah. You know. uh, David Robinson. Yeah. Not, 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 not the Admiral. Not that David Robinson. Um, apparently, this guy went on to play drums for the cars, which. Okay. You know, like I, to on my final like re-listen today, I was I was really hung up on like you know this rhythm section's pretty good here. Um, you know, even though like I totally depersonalized them when I listened to the record, but uh, I don't know. Like I'm I'm glad he got to go off and play for the Cars. I I hate the Cars, <laughs> but I'm sure he got a good payday. So you know, <laughs> good for him. I guess I'm cars neutral. I don't. I don't have really a strong opinion. Uh, I there was after uh, after Okasik died a couple of years after that. His wife came out and just talked about how. And his 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 wife was like uh, Paulina Poroskova, the, okay. the model. Yeah. And he was sort of a strange looking guy. Right? He was a weird looking yeah. guy. Yeah, and he. You know, she was like a young model, and they got together when he was. I don't. I think he was in his thirties. He was at the very least in his late twenties, and she was. You know, he, it was one of those deals where he's a lot older. Yeah, than she right. Is, and they get together, and they were you know, like together for a long time. Uh, but then he dies, and she finds out that he had like cut her entirely out of his will, and like left her completely high and dry. And I just, I, I don't know. Like, I'm so like. Like I was kind of tired of the cars anyway, but yeah. then hearing that, I'm just like, "Fuck you, Rick O'Casey." That's <laughs> such a just 
shitty thing to do. I don't, you know, fuck you and your skinny ties. I don't fucking need What that. a strange period of popular culture. Yes, yes. Like, like that was a thing. That was, it was huge. It was like fucking classic rock radio in Omaha, Nebraska was like wall to wall the cars for a while in the 80s. As, as little sense as that makes. That, that, it's, it's interesting that they're they're late they're kind of and the same thing with KQ in Minneapolis. Like, it's a weird addition to the classic rock lineup. Yeah, they just sort of pick and choose what is classic rock. It's yes, there's really no rhyme or it's it's a it's purely like a marketing. Tool. Yeah, it's not a not a logical category. So yeah, fuck the cars, except their drummer at least was pretty good when he was in the Modern Lovers. When he was probably 20. Yeah. So you kind of talked about this in your description, but this this record seems to get... Oh, here's some more dog noise. Uh, <laughs> this record seems to get cited a lot as a formative American punk influence, um, despite the weirdness of its timing. Yeah, I, I guess. I, I don't know if... I, I buy it, I guess. I, I think... You think so? Yeah, I mean, I, spe- I I was on the fence until I, like, saw the whole Iggy thing, and then I'm like, oh, yeah. Because I guess I am of the theory that, like... Or I buy into the theory that, like, Iggy's, like, the... Iggy's the fountainhead. Iggy is the Howard Rourke of American <laughs> punk. told there'd be no Anne Rand. <laughs> um, yeah, just... The, I guess just what... What maybe makes it a little weird for me is all the keyboard, which is not yeah. is not a staple of what I consider punk. But I think I mean like, so I think U.S. punk is kind of a different animal from from U.K. punk. You know, because like U.S. punk is this weird stew that has, um, you know, Iggy and the Stooges and Talking Heads and. You know, sometimes yeah, I mean, if you, yeah, I guess if you bring Talking Heads in, and that's the you know, connective tissue, Jerry yeah, Harrison. More Jerry Harrison. But, you know, just more the ethos, uh, yeah, kind of the same way that the Minutemen, who we can never not talk about, get get dragged in, where it's more about an ethos than a song, you know, and it's just, yeah. if it's like rough and ready and kind of sloppy and done, you know. Yeah, I mean, and it's, I don't know, his... Jonathan Richmond's lyrics are so clever, it's hard for me to equate that, unless you count, like, The Clash. Yeah, I mean, Joe Strummer's clever yeah. as hell. Joey Ramone's pretty clever. He's pretty clever, too. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just wrong on this. I, I just, I feel like it, uh, I don't know, it has, I feel like it has more more in common with, like, the, the 60s acid rock. Yeah, I think, kind well. Of vibe in, in if, San Francisco. I think so. I think if you're talking connective tissue, I think... I think there's this chain where, you know, these guys probably grew up listening to that or didn't even grow up. Like, that was probably, like, their fresh listen in 71 or 72. And they record this and, you know, the demos kind of float around and then eventually get released. And all the people who would become American punks are listening to this, you know, going like, yeah, okay, this is a way to do it. For sure. I mean, I, I just, I guess I'm, you know, um, I, uh, I struggle with, you know, like the whole like what is punk, what isn't yeah. punk kind of. Yeah, um, it's there's you can never like draw a clean line. But I, I do like your you know your kind of 
thesis that it, it's more of an ethos than an actual thing. I, I think that's the only way that the only way you can yeah no, make any sense of it. So uh, just speaking of uh, British punk, um, and this is sort of a jump. Hey, hey, get down, get down, oh boy. Tables being attacked by a dog. Being overrun. No. Okay, sorry, you were saying. Oh, it's that's fine. Just the did you read Johnny Rotten's comment on the song Roadrunner? No. Just as we're talking. No. What did he say? <laughs> this is this is like this encapsulate encapsulates Johnny Rotten to a T. He said, although he hates all music. Roadrunner is his favorite song. <laughs> there is actually a Sex Pistols version of Roadrunner. I cannot imagine it's any good. It's terrible, um, and he like just butchers the lyrics. Like he does, he does, like, clearly does not know the lyrics to the song. And it, it literally what it sounds like is like you're at your buddy's house and you listen to it twice and then you just plug in the four track. <laughs> well, I mean that's <laughs> usually that's the. That's usually the Louie Louie thing. I just, I, I love that. Like, although I hate all music, <laughs> it's like, like Johnny Rotten cannot be opposite, cannot not be oppositional. Like he just, that's his. That is almost a level of trolling that I can respect. Almost. Okay. Uh, <laughs> troll once again, disentangling a dog from power cables. Hey, get, move, move. Okay, you're, you're a butt. Yeah, I don't know. Um, the one like high-level thing that I wanted to, the other thing I wanted to throw in before we get into song by song, is so in that WTF episode, Harrison talks about how they were trying to sound like nobody else, and like the first, you know, my first few listens through here, I was like, yeah, mission accomplished. This sounds like nobody else. But once I heard the Doors thing, I'm kind of like, no, you, 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 there's someone else you sound like. Yeah, except I, I think, you know, just having Jonathan Richmond front your band is... Is, is a pretty big difference. Yeah, that's... that's yeah. Uh-oh. Hey. This is going to be a persistent battle throughout the episode, I feel Well, like. at some point he's going to pass out. I had been planning on him passing out earlier. Okay. Oh, thank God we don't uh, broadcast live. Yeah, it's, it's a good thing we're not uh, we're not doing this at the Driftwood or something. <laughs> be, I think they would murder us. Yes, we would. Okay. Um, well, do you want to jump yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, let's talking? do it. So, I mean, we kind of cracked the. So, I mean, I I actually grouped Roadrunner. Roadrunner and Roadrunner once together. I hope that's okay. Roadrunner one. That's the bonus track. Oh, I don't know if I. Yeah, I mean, I. I, It's essentially the same song. I am so not clued in that I was not aware that. I think I was listening. I intentionally listened to a non-expanded edition. Yeah, it's just the version. Oh, there it is. Yep. It's. Yeah, I gave up by then. Yeah, that's the version that has the. The, the line that I really like where he says, I walked past the stop and shop, then I drove past the stop and shop. <laughs> I like that better than walking by the stop and shop because the radio's on. That is fantastic. He, I, I had not noticed until you know, this listen how much, a lot, of, a lot of these songs don't have that many words and he'll just like keep reusing phrases and like emphasizing them differently and 
Yeah, and if you're looking for an album that name checks Boston a lot. So one of the things I was going to ask, um, and I don't, I think I was going to ask you this in a different song, but this will work. Um, you've got, you know, you've got some Massachusetts ties. Yeah. Now. I, to me, it feels like there's so much just like Massachusettsania on this that like. Out there is this kind of in the same vein that Husker do and the replacements are here, where this is like this is the cool underground thing that probably, you know, but I'm not is. really tapped into the cool underground things in Boston. Nah. I mean, my just for the benefit of people listening, my wife is from Boston, um, and so outside of my brother-in-law, who's pretty hip. Uh, that and really likes Jonathan Richmond. I, I don't know if I can answer that. So I mean, sample size of one. Sample size of one. Yeah, one hundred percent. It. Um. I mean, Boston is an interesting place because there's so many colleges there that it, yeah. it does have sort of this like transient uh, population where all these twenty somethings move there for four or five years and yeah. then move away. Yeah. Um, and so it it is interesting some of the things that he highlights. Uh, but yeah, Stop and Shop is a um, I don't know if there's still stop and shops or not, but it was at one time a really popular convenience store. Like the, the Super America yeah. RIP of... Yeah, we don't even have Super America I, I, I'm fucking wounded that we don't have Super America anymore. It's a, it's a travesty. <sighs> um, so, I mean, you know, we kind of went into analysis without... I, I, I just need to acknowledge this song is fucking perfect. Oh, it's amazing, yeah. Like, I just... Jesus Christ! It's it's one of my favorite things when when they say like when they say something then radio on yeah yeah as the callback like that's one of my favorite things in rock and roll it's yeah. that is that sort of yeah it's just this is God it's, it's such a perfect like vibe such a perfect sound I'm it's funny because I've always had it in my head that like a core thing to the music of Bruce Springsteen is that like the best thing you can be doing in the world is driving around in a car on a nice night, you know, and, like, that's, that's like, that's Bruce Springsteen heaven. And, like, somehow this song is more evocative of that than anything Springsteen has ever written. Yeah, and, I mean, it's it's like, a great song about being a young person. Yeah. Like, especially, I mean, he was talking about Boston, where there is a lot to do, but especially being a young person where there is not a lot to do. Yeah, yeah. You know, driving around is a big part of life. I know in Blair, Nebraska, that would just be like, it's what you do for fun. Just get in the car and drive. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. I've always kind of liked the Joan Jett version of this song, too. I, I think it's pretty good. That's I, I have a note about that, that, like, I, I think people cover it because they like it. Like, I don't think this is a song you cover thinking you're going to surpass the original. Yeah, it's like the weight. Yeah, yeah. Like there's just there's there's a canonical version that you're not you're not gonna beat. But yeah, Joan I think Joan Jets is my favorite. It's probably cover the of best well. of the I feel like there are just some songs that people like to cover. Like yeah. it seems like every couple years somebody tries to do uh, Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah. Jesus, that, that we need just like a culture wide uh, just moratorium on that. Yeah, I think it's it's just enough. We have enough versions of it. Yes. The, I one of the I don't know if we've ever had a conversation about this, and we probably should have, but one of the things I have been most excited to discover in the past couple of years is that um, if you're looking for it, Cortez the Killer is kind of like a jazz standard among like 
guitar bands. That is hilarious. There are like, like there are so many fucking crazy covers of Cortez the Killer out there, and I love it. I love it. Yeah. Like I was never aware of that until I started looking for it. But like once you look, it's there. And like like Built to Spill has like a twenty minute version <laughs> of it that is fantastic. That that is outstanding. I absolutely I, someone, recommend. We should put together a compilation album that's all covers of Cortez the Killer. Yeah, I I still want to start a cover band that that's just called Cortez the Killers, and the whole set is just one forty five minute cover of Cortez the Killer. And that I guarantee that would not be the longest version <laughs> of that song ever recorded. <laughs> I mean, I think I think the version that Neil Young and Crazy Horse put on the album is like ten minutes they, long. They go long. That's crazy. That's that song is hilarious in so many ways. It's I, <laughs> it's something. Well, you know the story with the the studio version was meant to be longer than it was. Well, the the dog has his toy pig in the background, but the studio <laughs> version. Might have um, to take a break. Yeah, um, I, there was a power outage in the studio where Neil Young was recording Cortez the Killer. That's and that's, that, it just stops there. Let's take a break while the dog honks his pig. Okay, we're back. Um, yeah, I don't know. This might be one of those episodes. <laughs> there might be a lot of stops and starts. Dogs in manic mode. The dog's... Sensibility is out on the astral plane. Yes. So I just wrote uh, astral plane or abstract plane. <laughs> I, Choose your fighter. I, Frank Black or uh, Jonathan Richmond. We're going to talk about that record someday. we got to talk about that record someday. Yeah, is that on Teenager of the Year? That is. That was a wild. That's the one that has Thalassocracy on it. Yeah, that, 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 that's like it's a, a wild lo- ride. A long record of all bangers. Yeah, that's a um, really good album. Yeah. So speaking of not bangers, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, there's things I like, but it's not a great song. So here's the. This is, and I I know this is probably unfair of me, but when I when I'm listening to it and I hear the lyric tonight, I'm all alone in my room. I'll go insane if you won't sleep with me. Like to me, that has kind of like an incel vibe to it. Yeah, there's 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 more of that on this record. Yeah, I mean. it's like, and then I'm, as I'm listening to, it, I'm like, there it is again. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's just, like, kind of like a young kid who's sort of trying to get his footing. And, yeah. You know, kind of figure himself out. I think you're right. But, but it, it sits weirdly. It sure does. And, uh, you know, to find nice things about this song, like, it's got it's got a nice kind of cool beat to it. And, uh... Yeah, I mean, the, I like, know. the organ work is good. Yeah, you know, this is the one that really got me thinking about the uh, the Doors similarity. But, you know, if you're a keyboardist, like, if you're a rock keyboardist, Ray Manzarek's not a bad yeah, role I, model to be chasing. And I feel like the, you know, kind of one of the neat things about sort of where music is now is that the keyboard has become, has kind of come back. Yeah. Yeah, to you know, kind of layer in those those sort of that like sonic bedrock that I that I really yeah. like. Yeah, like you can't make you know Yankee Hotel Foxtrot without a good keyboard player. Yeah, totally. 
Uh, just all kinds, you know, the Flaming Lips yeah. would be I mean, there's a ton way of, diminished. ton of great examples that I think is it, it just is, it's really kind of come back. Yeah. But this song uh, is, to me, not so good. It's not, not, my, I'm going to stand by this. It, this sounds like a pretty good filler track on an album. It's not, you know, it, it's not like headline level and it just it doesn't have the energy or the joy that roadrunner does it's a weird sequencing for me yeah like you put you put the absolute banger first which reasonable yeah fair but then you kind of i don't, I don't know you kind of throw two slow ones after that as yeah. i to me also like i i i believe i played a lot more D back in the day than you did to me like Astral Plane is to me this you know I know this song predates the uh, the, the modern versions of D and D but this sounds you know the Astral Plane figured big in Advanced Dungeons and Dragons late eighties version. Yeah, I mean I I, I sometimes love to talk about how that's possible, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> when, but you know like it's it's fantasy land so I guess anything is possible. Yeah, that's you know. Um, they try to throw this weird pseudoscience on it, where the astral plane is is where you know extrasensory communication happens. Yeah, I guess if you're dealing with magic as sort of the mm-hmm. the you know the connective tissue. And you, yeah, but uh, it, it's all horseshit. Yeah. Um, not a great song. No. <laughs> what are you gonna do? Uh, want to move on? Yeah, yeah. Let's move on to what do you got? The old world. Um. Again, I'm, I'm not in love with this song, but it's so Jonathan Richmond has this thing where he kind of romanticizes the 50s and the, yeah. the 60s, and this is sort of like in that vein. Yeah. Um, I did like my I did like this line. I want to keep my place in the old world, keep my place in the arcane. Yeah, that's very good. I'm gonna pause for a second to let the dog out, and then I'll have some more thoughts. Sorry about that. Um, old world. I. Yeah, I, I love the the, the the bit about the arcane. Like, no one else is going to lean on that rhyme the way Jonathan Richmond does. For sure. Uh, that, that itself is pretty arcane. I, so, an interpretation of this one was coming to me at the dog park earlier today that I had never really, I, I don't know, maybe I'm projecting, but to me this sounded like a young person trying to justify still wanting to make some sense in their parents' world, if that makes sense. I, you know, I, I have no idea if that's what he's actually saying, but that, that's what I was getting from it, is this is like a young weirdo saying, like, I still want to make some sense to my parents. Yeah, and I think the, I think the more, like, it, at least for my money, the more, like... Uh fully formed version of this song is like uh, the more parties in the USA yeah where he kind of talks about the callback to you know the time with Louie Louie and yeah you know so I, I think that's what he's getting at is like this sort of nostalgia for a, a time where he wasn't alive yeah like continuity I'm part of this new musical line I think that makes sense but that is interesting that he's, he's sort of trying to make sense of his parents world I'd not thought about it like that I, I maybe I'm projecting but it you know standing out in the 
in a forest full of dogs. That that made sense to me. I um the guitar intro to this reminds me of a Tom Petty thing, and I actually think like you know I, I still stand by like the Modern Lovers sound a lot like the Doors, but uh, there are bits where they you know. They're not that different from Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers either, just in terms of like arrangement and lineup yeah. and and kind know. of vocal delivery somehow yeah. too. Like yeah, yeah. This sits in like this weird Venn diagram of like some Doors sounds, some Tom Petty sounds, some Iggy sound, and like that's a weird Venn diagram. That I is, feel like. those are, yeah, <laughs> the same way we we're saying that like. Graham Parsons is this weird connective tissue. Like yeah. maybe the modern lovers just exist as weird connective tissue between disparate things. One thing that hits me um, on this song for sure, and through most but not all the album, I don't think Richmond's using any distortion, you know, through an amp or a pedal or anything on his guitar. I think he is just like plugging a strat into a clean amp and just like running it clean like he's Les Paul and it's 1955. And yeah, and I think that's... does that. It, it is kind of... He's one of those people who's... And I, I know everyone's voice is an instrument, but like uh, his, he doesn't have like what you'd call a, a great singing voice, yeah. but the way he phrases lyrics and the way he sing, he delivers them, he, it works as a as an instrument. He uses what he's got, yeah, perfectly, like 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 superlatively, like top shelf. Uh, this is one where it hits me like, you know, since Harrison's keyboards are so prominent, you can tell this is a demo because he's playing pretty sloppy. Yeah, and I like that. Like, I think that's kind of like part of the. If this is like a punk formative thing, like I think, you know, there's this power in hearing like keyboard parts where you can hear fuck ups and be like, yeah, this is still a good record. Yeah, it's gotta it's gotta have a little jazz to it, like where it's yeah. a little freeform. Yeah, I feel like that's sort of a tenant of punk too. That maybe that helps this become more of a punk record is the. The sort of unpolished feel. Absolutely, I think that's I think that's the core of the argument. Um, all that said, <laughs> you're not a great song. Yeah, my my last note is this isn't a very memorable song. The next one is quite memorable. Uh, I think I think Pablo Picasso. If you listened to you know the, the entire run of this show, I don't know that there. Oh, I have to let the dog back in. <laughs> Okay, sorry about that. Anyway, over the course of the show, hang on. Okay, anyway, if you go back over the history of the show, I believe the most name-checked song by any artist is Pablo Picasso. I think that's probably accurate. We, we bring it up a lot. Um, and I mean, it's it's sort of hidden. Like, the, the song is kind of farcical, but but it is kind of a cutting commentary that, like, you know, for whatever reason, historically, really talented men have gotten away with a lot of bad behavior. Yeah. Uh, and I, I think it actually is a really good, like, kind of, it's a really insightful song for someone so young. It's always weird when, when you get that, like, how the hell did this fucking child, you know, get so insightful? That's. And if I ever run thing. for president... 
it's it's a little wordy, but I want my slogan to be "Be not schmuck, be not obnoxious, be not bell bottom bummer or asshole." <laughs> yes. Oh, I um, yeah, you know, and, the, and for the record, I do need to, you know, it was between the lines, but. Picasso was quite a fucking asshole. Yeah, no, I mean, I don't yeah, think that's in doubt at this point. Yeah, that, uh, I, just, the song is so great. I love the, I love the, love the, yeah, the lyrical sense is great. It's, it's just really funny too. But the, the beat Robinson throws down is so. Uh, so know, I think this one does have distortion on the guitar. Yeah, this is one I um. There, yeah, there's de- there's definitely. I was listening to this one at the dog park today, um, and it really hit me. They overdubbed this for sure because there are parts where there are at least two guitars going, and one of them is you know is the usual clean, and another one they've got like a fuzz pedal on. And it kind of reminded me, and I'm sorry for dragging the Clash into everything, but it reminded me of the production of uh, Guns of Brixton, where you know it's the same kind of like slow kind of plodding song where like the the lyrics are the main thing and then you've just got like crazy guitar shit going on in the background to just like fill out the space a, a world beater of a song yeah like an app like you can just feel the fury like the anger yeah in that song yeah it's i that's if i had to pick a, a song that i would say guns of brixton is probably one of my favorite clash songs because it, it, it just it like just hits this, you know, nerve that it, it really evokes a lot of emotion. It's, if you're gonna be the guy who wrote one song, like that's the that one, would be the one yeah. yeah. Uh, there's the, the similarity of the production was really interesting to me. Um, I also like the you got the distorted guitar, but you also have that that heavy like piano. Yeah. Like it's just an interesting, yeah, it's an interesting sort of combination. Usually Harrison's playing, you know, some kind of organ sound, and this it's just like dang, 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 yeah. dang, 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 and that's that's really cool. I um, you know, so we talked about covers of Roadrunner. This is one. Have you, Bowie covered this, and like he covered Pablo Casa. He did. Is it good or is it horrible? It's good. Like usually his covers. Are yeah, not good. But the, he changes it a lot. He like it's like way up tempo, and he adds a chorus to it. His but, cover of "Across the Universe" should be shot into space. Yeah, I think, I think that's kind of universally agreed to be like basement tier Bowie. That's uh, his his Pablo Picasso. It's like it's it's upbeat. Um, it's got this like flamenco guitar. Too. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, but it's it's fun. Like it's I think it's actually. I like this version better, just you know, for being the originator. But his is probably more fun to sit down and like listen to, you know. Just it's a better single experience. Yeah, that, the, I guess I should say this. Like I, I want to love this record, uh, but as you listen to the whole thing, it's a lot. It's not always a great listening experience. It, you know, it's, you know, it just is. There are times where like you can tell, like, yeah, this is a demo. This. Could it use more work. Could probably use some editing to Yeah. I so like I love I love I don't know why. I love the line not in New York. <laughs> I, I love Richmond's delivery of it. I love it when Bowie throws that out. It's it's just it's great. Yeah, it's a I mean it's a I, I think the the you know, he also performs this solo. Yeah. So 
you know, I, he probably does Roadrunner too. I've just not not ever heard. That. I don't think it's on any albums. I I'm trying to remember. I saw him at a really weird show at the Cedar Cultural Center, and I think he did. The only songs I can remember him doing are this and Lesbian Bar. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, that Lesbian Bar is another good one. Oh, that's such a fucking good song. Um, I don't I don't think he did Roadrunner at that, but like. Roadrunner, I'd be afraid to do. Like when I saw him, it was him and a drummer, and like I would want to have a yeah, whole band. Yeah, you need, to play you need the whole drummer. band because the the callback is the you know yeah. the, the radio. Um, yeah. But yeah. yeah, that that's uh, I don't know. Pablo Picasso is like I really like Pablo Picasso. It's a hell of a song. Yeah. Uh, anything else on it? No. How about she cracked? I just wrote pass. I so <laughs> I I have I have I have complicated feelings on she cracked. Like I think it it rocks in a way that a lot of these songs don't. Um, but it does sound like you know you were talking about incel energy and like this song is just draped in incel energy. Yeah, and I guess I maybe I'm being unfair because I don't hold Mick Jagger to that standard or. Yeah. Um, you know, some like some of those Woody Guthrie songs that ended up on the the Mermaid Avenue sessions, yeah. like which are like really creepy, honestly. Yeah. Um, like that one about the semen, like, <laughs> like the one the one that's just like openly about cranking it to Ingrid Bergman. Right. Yes. <laughs> like, uh, they're not all. <laughs> The weird thing about that one is that Guthrie wrote it. Jeff Tweedy and Billy Bragg were looking through it like, yeah, we got us. They're looking. Is, they're looking through a like presumably deep archive of songs, and they're like, yep, this is this, the one. This is what we need. Um, she cracked. I don't know. You know, like I, yeah. I feel like this is, you know, if you talk about this as a punk prefiguring record, yeah, very, very much so. For and sure. Like, like, I feel like it's pretty black flag to be like talking about how awesome you are being straight edge, and you know, that chick's just just poisoning herself. Um, this is really guitar forward for this record, and maybe that's why I don't like it because I've, I've never fully got the whole straight edge thing. Yeah, that's. Like, I remember, and this is I've probably told this story before, but I was at a, I was at a party when I was, you know, I don't know, twenty two, and you know, this there was a there were a bunch of people there that were straight edge, and I was yeah. at the keg, and I'm like, I of course because I can't have silence, I'm like, so do you like you know just do you have to be into Minor Threat to be straight edge? And they looked at me like I was crazy. They had never heard of Minor Threat. How, what, what? How do you, how does that happen? Yeah, I mean, I guess it, I guess it starts as a thing and then it, it balloons into something different. I don't know. Like they, they were very, very confused by what I was asking them. I, that's I, I don't know how to process that to be honest. Well, that, that was my, you know, like I like this is all I got. Like this is all I know about straight edges. Yeah. You know, minor threat. Yeah. And McKay. Yeah. But yeah, it was uh, 
Yeah. I mean, they were, I guess they were just, I don't know. It's a, yeah, maybe it became a thing outside of that as well. It must have. I mean, yeah, I guess I know it did, but it's just weird to me to to run into, to hear about people who were into it downstream and didn't know where it came from, didn't know the source. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I'm trying to think of a of another parallel. It was like one of the like great communication failures of my life. <laughs> like I, I felt like I, I felt like I'm, you know, this is this is the thing that happens to me when I think I've found like the perfect like common ground with someone and <laughs> totally failed. Awesome. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, Wish she cracked. Have you heard? I don't know what album it's on originally. I just know it from uh, the action-packed greatest, you know, Jonathan Richmond solo, greatest hits thing. Have you heard the uh, the monologue about Bermuda? No, I don't oh. think so. I don't oh, think yeah. I've, I must have forwarded through that. I don't... You gotta find it because it's, it's pretty key. It's like it's him, he's like kind of half singing, half talking, and he just tells a story about the modern lovers, um, and he just like it's basically seven minutes of him kind of shit talking about the modern lovers, and in part of it, you know, he's just saying like, yeah, we, you know, this band was really uptight, we were really uptight, I was really uptight, and in part of it, he starts singing "She Cracked" as like an example of how uptight and shitty the modern lovers were, and so it, it's interesting to me, and like. I ended up hearing that before I heard the Modern Lovers version even. So like I came to it as like this song that you know I had heard him disavowing. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. And I don't know. It's uh yeah, I guess it's inter- it's fascinating to me that like he sees it too. I yeah. Guess, you know? That is that is really cool. I will have to listen to that one. I It's it uh it reminds me of the uh, uh yeah, the Bruce Springsteen song, The River. Yeah. If you listen to that on that, like, live 75 album, he, like, yeah. goes into this story about how, like, during the uh, Vietnam draft era, like, he like he just, it's this really, like, it's this really personal story that he, he stops playing the song, tells this really personal story, and then finishes by playing the rest of the song. And it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a... Uh, it just that's you know that's kind of a Springsteen thing, and yeah. maybe it's a Richmond thing. I too. think it is. I think he operate. I had never until we were talking. Like, I think there's a lot of congruence between those guys. <sighs> Another thing I've got on this song, I just I love the distorted organ thing Harrison has going. It is again like it's it's a it's an exact sound I hear in Ray Manzarek a lot. Like there's like. A part where this breaks down that's exactly like the breakdown in The Doors, The End. I fucking hate The Doors, but I love <laughs> this. So I believe it's the... Is it the Your Favorite Band Sucks podcast where uh, like Tyler Mahan Co. goes on this rant about how The Doors used a studio basis for all of their albums? No, I... <laughs> I it, it absolutely could be. I, I quit listening to that pretty early on. Yeah, yeah. At some point, because because Ray Manzarek is is you know kind of a dick about the fact that they don't have a bass player and he's yeah. the bass player. Yeah. That Tyler Mayhem Co. just I think it's him just goes on this rant about how look the Doors brought in a studio basis for <laughs> each of their albums. Ray Manzarek <laughs> is not the bass player, which is like a very strange hill to die on. Yeah, but I I have heard I have heard other people like praise the Doors for that exact thing. The uh, 
the the guitar teacher, the guy who taught guitar to all my friends in high school, would just never shut up about how great. Yeah, didn't that guy end up being a sex offender? Yeah, he was a pedophile. Yeah. Yes. So you know, there you go. Um, what are you gonna do? Um, anything else on she cracked? No. Uh-uh. Let's take a quick break. Okay, uh, hospital. It's a dramatic one. Very. It dramatic. is sad. Sad ballad. Yeah. With a like really interesting drum part in in portions of it. Yeah. Good. Where like the the time yeah the time stops and starts. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. It's like uh, it's like that uh, a, you know like slam poetry style or something where you like yeah you know, <laughs> spoken word and then. You know who does a lot of that? No. John Densmore of the Doors. <laughs> yep. It's just going to be one of those nights where we're trying to name check as many Doors as possible. I think we've hit them all. No, I guess. No, you get to. Uh... Okay. I'll just. I meant to say this earlier and didn't. Um, when I said that. Uh, Richmond doesn't use a lot of distortion. I, I should have said he doesn't use as much distortion as Robbie Krieger. <laughs> That's all the doors we're going to name. So. Yeah, I, think, I think now we got them all. No, there's, oh, one, there's left. one more. Oh, there's one more. <laughs> but we're not saying that. I've been to his grave. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you must be so proud. Well, I. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, Anywho, yeah. um, hospital. You know, like, uh, to, uh, go ahead. Well, so you know that uh, Sunbolt cover of the Big Star song "Holocaust" yes. has always haunted me with yeah. the guitar because it yeah. looks so sad. Yeah, I feel like the organ plays that role in this song, where like the yeah. way they're playing the organ is just like very evocative of like sadness. I think that's right. I think yeah, it's a uh, so this is. If you take this at face value, it is a very, you know, it's, it's a bummer, sad song. Um, I was really struck, maybe I'm remembering this wrong, but I thought in that Marin interview with Jerry Harrison, didn't he, like, single this out? He as did, like, yeah. Yeah. And that was, so I guess it resonates with somebody. It doesn't really resonate with me. So if you're Jerry Harrison, like, what an interesting experience of life like to yeah. be part of the modern lovers and the talking heads yeah jesus I'm christ sorry, the modern lovers and, and talking heads <laughs> yes which is get it right it's fucking annoying but it's like eels like can we just call it the eels yeah, please let's just let's let's not fuck around here um but yeah like what a weirdly central position in american music to to find yeah, yourself in. I mean, and you know, kind of just—I mean, probably backseats unfair, but like, kind of just to have a, a sort of viewpoint into those two bands specifically. Yeah, to to always be like a key instrumental member of a band that has like this like charismatic yes, figure right. up front that everyone. Yeah, like no one would say. You know what I really like about Talking Heads is Jerry Harris. Well, yeah. I guess there probably are people. Who would say uh, that, but. but like, like people who are like super music heads. Yeah, but like people who you know, like 
I, I'm comfortable saying 75% of the people who say they like talking heads, you know, would be like, who? Well, no, it's David Byrne and those people. Is yeah, and the Tom Tom Club. Yeah. <laughs> David Byrne and Tom Tom Club. <laughs> yeah, and I, I just, I, and one of the things that struck me in the Marin interview was just how, and he was delicate about this, but how just strange Jonathan Richmond is as a person, really? which is not un, not unexpected. Yeah, I you know, and stories about the weirdness of Jonathan Richmond are all over the place, and I'm into that. Like like it seems like a pretty wholesome or at least harmless type of strange. Yeah, for sure. Right. You know, like it's I don't know, it's you know somewhere south of Brian Wilson, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, like not nobody's getting hurt. Yeah, he's just a strange dude. Just a, kind of an eccentric guy. Apparently, he works concessions at the local small theater with some frequency, or at least used to. Yeah, I, I, I think he's a. You know, I don't know that Jonathan Richmond ever, while he's beloved, I think uh, amongst a lot of people, I don't know if he ever got that like commercial payday. Yeah, I I hope he got. I hope he got some money for being in There's Something About Mary. Yeah, I'm sure he got something, my, but... My impression is that, like, if you walk onto a movie set, like, you get money. I, like, I would guess, but, but you know, you don't hear about, you know, there's no, like, Jonathan Richmond's got his yacht. And, yeah, totally. No, I, I, I'm sure it's a situation where, like, he's successful in that he can afford, you know, the same house that, like... A mid-level project manager in a large city. Pro- probably fair, yeah. Like, he does as well as a scrum master. That's There's something wrong with that, but that's a uh, discussion yeah. for another day. Hate, hate the game, not the player. Uh, the last thing I've got on hospital, I just, I love, I, I fucking love the line, I can't stand what you do, but I'm in love with your eyes. That is... Yeah, I mean, again, you know, you're talking about, like, just a really astute observation from someone who is, you know, essentially a child. Yeah, yeah. The fuck? I, you know, well, so a thing that I meant to mention earlier and didn't, apparently, apparently Richmond came into everything just as a big Velvet Underground guy. Yeah. And, you know, you can kind of see it where, like, Lou Reed is very careful and smart about his use of language and Richmond is too. Um, Unlike Pablo Picasso, I'm pretty sure Lou Reed has been called an asshole. Yeah, I mean, so that, that, that's just it. Like Lou Reed is a cock, <laughs> and like I, I don't know if Jonathan Richmond is like a perfect person or anything, but like he's like positive and friendly in a way that like his hero is is not. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the like if you're a. If you're Jonathan Richmond, like you're, you're experiencing the Velvet Underground at a different level than I am. Yeah, you know, like you're getting into the lyrics, and and I think, you know, I mean, Lou Reed has an objectively terrible voice, but uh, but he, he's he's a case study in like yes. using what you've got no, very exactly. well. Like That's... he's like uh, like Tom Waits. I mean, yeah. he's his you know he writes good lyrics and he he uses his. I shouldn't say terrible voice. He uses his unique voice yeah. 
in in a way that works. I mean, he has a he has a range of about three notes. Yeah, right. But, but he gets a lot out of those three notes. Like you try getting somebody to release "Last Great American Whale," <laughs> like that's that is him just like delivering this insane story. Yes. over five minutes. <laughs> And then uh, he periodically just says, last great American whale. <laughs> so do you ever kick back and just listen to the Velvet Underground? I don't, no. Uh, yeah, I, I, it's been decades since I've done I mean, There was a point where I was I mean, like, I have a couple of songs on kind of the my liked songs yeah. that are Velvet Underground. And then I, well, like, there are a couple Lou Reed Transformer era songs yeah, that I like. yeah. Like, like rock and roll is a great jam. Yeah. I don't know how you deny that. And like what goes on, fucking great jam. They have that cool Velvet Underground album cover where they have that like smoke cloud coming out of the subway. Yeah. Like that yeah. like that is just, just like an icon, an iconic piece of art to me. Yeah. Like that is that is an amazing album cover. Yeah. Were you ever into the uh, the Lou Reed album that came out like when we were like towards the end of when we were in high school? Magic and Loss. I don't think so. That one, like I, I think that's. I might go back and check it out. It, it it's crazy because it's like so it, it like came out with Octung Baby like at the same time and there was like this weird cross pollination where like you two covered you know I th- I think Satellite of Love. As a B-side, and then, like, when they would perform it, they had this video of Lou Reed that they would sing along with. So, like, I don't know, there was this weird sense of, like, these are two sides of the same coin back then. But, like, it's this amazing fucking album about death. And, like, like it's... it's like, better than the Bowie Blackstar album? It's not better than Blackstar, but... There isn't much that's yeah. better than Blackstar. And it's a little different, where, like, Blackstar is Bowie saying, like... I'm about to die. I mean that, and it's like that album is like someone cutting open a vein. Yeah, just like it's it's uncanny. I can't even listen to it sometimes because yeah. it just like it's so raw. It's pretty tough. It's a uh, yeah, but but uh, fucking amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Magic and loss is like it, it. It's nearly as good, but it's it's not about Reed contemplating his own death. It's like a couple of friends of his have died, and so this whole album is just him processing the death of a couple of friends. And like it's like I I think it's great, but I can I can listen to it once a year at tops. Like it's just, yeah. It's, if you're if you're locked in and actually paying attention, it is just an emotional meat grinder to listen to. So like it's it's amazing that people can do that. Like they yeah. can record something and you have no connection to these people, right? Like yeah. you're but it's tapping into something that just wakes something up in your conscious. Yeah. Amazing. I feel like an interesting lesson about music too for me was you know, read released Magic and Loss in I, I don't remember if it was ninety one or ninety two, but you know, whatever it was, like I listened to it and like it just fucking profoundly shook young me and then the <laughs> and so you know i was like you know i'm just like wow lou reed is important and i need to like pay attention to the him the rest of my life like this is a big deal the next album of his was uh set the twilight reeling and like some of the songs on it are fine <laughs> there's a song on it called sex with your parents 
That is the worst piece of shit ever recorded. It's like trying to talk yourself into Coverdale page. Yeah. Right? Like, it's... It was just... Uh, you know, like, I, I kind of cherish this lesson of, like, you can record an amazing transcendent piece of art and then just, like, take a shit in your own bed. Afterwards. It's kind of like, I think you pointed this out to me. It's kind of like Bill Murray uh, making Lost in Translation and then making Garfield after that. <laughs> yeah. It's like, like I'm going to take all this artistic credit and just um, fucking light it on uh, fire. <laughs> who needs this? You believe in me? Fuck you. <laughs> Oh, um, <laughs> I don't know. We're pretty far out there. Um, looping back around, back to Modern Lovers, someone I care about. Anything about that? Yeah, I mean, this is one that I thought had the had the kind of '60s San Francisco acid rock vibe. Yeah, I can totally see that. Um, I did like the line, "I don't want some cocaine sniffing triumph in a bar." <laughs> that really jumped out at me in the dog park today. I mean, I think they're. I, I, Everyone who's well, I shouldn't say this because I my brain works differently than a lot of people's, but I can empathize with that, like wanting a deeper connection. Yeah. Um. I don't know if this song really is the like vehicle for that. For you me, know, I I have never been a person. This, this song is addressing a problem I've never had, I guess. Let's put it that way. I've, I, I have never found myself being like, hmm, the, the, the cocaine-filled triumph. Is this my night for the cocaine I, I don't believe it is. I. Yeah, but, I mean, you've had the experience, right, where you're, you know, like you've had some surface conversation with someone. Yeah. And, like, you... You know, you're kind of wanting a deeper conversation. Yeah, totally, yeah. yeah. You know, it, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm... If you take a step back from the specifics, it absolutely is addressing a place where you find yourself a lot when you're young, and you know, I guess depending on how your life shakes out, you may maybe you find yourself there when you're older. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it just is a. That was the only part I identified with, like yeah. the co- like. I just don't travel in those circles. Like yeah, I don't. Well, I um. It's interesting that you mentioned it. As, as sounding acid rock, I thought it sounded, I thought this was another one that sounded kind of petty-ish. But petty often sounds, yeah. you know, acid rock. And so, and has a great song about, you know, do you think you're going to take, take her away with your money and your cocaine? True. So, you know, sound and themes reaching right back to Tom Petty. This song's fine. I mean, it's pretty good. It's not, I... To to me, this this is an album with some standouts and some filler, and this is yeah. And one of the one of the challenges, honestly, is like because it, I think it started as a demo, like there wasn't that editing, yeah. And so it does kind of feel like a it's a you know what keeps it from being a great album is just sort of like there are a lot of songs on here that maybe you could just remove. Yeah. Uh, to that point. We're running a little long here. Um, I mean, yeah, maybe we should stop. Uh, we're, we're, we're f- <laughs> uh, do you have any thoughts on <laughs> the remaining song? Well, the only thing on Modern World, I really did like the line that said, put down the cigarette and drop out of BU. <laughs> <laughs> like, which is like a, a, you know, kind of a thing of like, you know, like BU is sort of a pretentious college. Yeah. 
<laughs> like, it's sort of like the, you know, the, uh, I don't know. It's like the callback to the, you know, kind of like, you know, take acid and drop out, right? Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. I, I kind of enjoyed that. Modern love or modern world is fun. It's, 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 you know, it's really sloppy. It's really demo y. You can hear a lot of guitar fuck ups again. I like the call and response vocal stuff on it. That's pretty fun. Um, the rest of the songs, uh, you know, are, are sort of other than Government Center. Government, maybe he's a big like brutalist architecture. Government Center is pretty like it's it's super lo-fi rocker. There's nothing there. Like if you blew at that song hard, it would like blow away. But it's I, I do think though that like if you're in Boston, like Government Center is one of the like T stops that yeah. that crosses all of the different like red line, green line, blue line. Yeah. They all stop at Government Center. Is that the building that looks like a concrete pyramid that got put yeah. into the ground yep. upside down? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean that's that's not where the actual Government Center is, but that's the the Government Center is the stop. Okay. But yes, that that's the Boston City Hall. Okay. Yeah, you know, we had to put stamps on all those letters. I, yeah, it's it's fine. I mean, I there's nothing. So I think that like that was sort of my just my take on this album is that I, I like there are songs I really like and there are things I really like, but listening to the whole thing in one sitting is kind of a slog. Yeah, I with you a hundred percent. This is one where like I, I understand why it has its place and it's in the canon. I understand why it inspired people, but. It is absolutely like some highlights that are in the pantheon, and then right. a lot of songs that are fine. And and it's uh, I'm glad we did it. I don't know that I'm going to listen to the deep tracks yeah. again anytime I, I, soon. I'm with you. This is this is a this is fodder for playlists. That's that's where I'm at too. But like I mean, the highlights are amazing. Roadrunner is one of the best rock songs ever. Yeah, for sure. Like it's a it's a banger. Like it's the banger of bangers. Yeah. Pablo Picasso is it's a great song. Really funny. Really cool. I you know, she cracked. Is it interesting and terrible at the same time? I don't know. It's just like, do you want to be? As you operate in in a world where we have unlimited access to music, yeah. like I, I think you know Pablo Picasso, Roadrunner, probably the ones you want to hit. Yeah, exactly. But like at the same time, like if you were at the Driftwood and you know random Kingfield band was playing and they started covering Government Center, I would love it. You'd shit your pants. I would be like, so like, excited. Like, yeah, yeah, it's just so exciting. Like, even if they did hospital, I'd be like, oh, what are you going to do with this? Wow. Since we live in Minneapolis, I'm pretty sure the hospital cover would be the replacements. Yeah, which is a better song. It is a better song. But it's kind of interesting setting up the contrast between the replacements and Jonathan Richmond, where, you know, like, the replacements also have this hyperverbal, charismatic person in the middle. But Westerberg just wants to fucking rock in a way that Jonathan Richmond never does. It's and it's definitely different. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think they just have different, like, you know, Westerberg just wants to write, like, bar rockers. Yeah. I have to assume that if you asked Westerberg what he thought of Jonathan Richmond, 
I, I, I don't think he would have much good to say. I don't know if he, I, I don't, he doesn't, I've never met Paul Westerberg, but he doesn't strike me as like an effusive praise for other artists kind of guy. Yeah, except for Alex Chilton. Except for, yeah, I guess. That seems to be kind of universal to people that age. Like, yeah. Big Star was a lot more formative for them. Yeah. Yeah, I think. You haven't met Paul Westerberg, but I believe you've been in the same room as him. Were you Were you with me the night at the Turf Club when... No. Oh. Weren't... Paul, oh, Paul Westerberg was there? Yeah. There was one night when Mary Lucia... I think it was Mary Lucia's birthday... And she came in, and Westerberg was with her. And I don't think I was there. Oh, well, the, I mean, like, there was no interaction. I was just like, oh, fuck, wow, it's him. And I was at the turf club uh, with when Bob Mould was there, and uh, the watching the current, which is the local radio station, fawn over uh, his drummer, who is was not playing. It's the Bob Mould band drummer, uh, who's also in Super Chunk. Yeah, he's one of the coolest motherfuckers yes. on the planet. But one of the one of the current DJs sidled up to him and was like, "We're a big fan of your work. We play it all the time." And I almost went over and be like, "That is bullshit. <laughs> this man is lying to you." Never heard. I've. He's also probably one of my favorite like Twitter follows. Yeah, he's really funny. Yeah. Oh, um, we've got a field. I, anything else on Modern Lovers? I don't think so. Do you want to? Do you want to preview the next album? Yeah. So this seemed like a good idea at the time. And which foreigner album are we doing? <laughs> I can safely say that's never going to happen. But this is not that far. I. I'm going to apologize in advance. Like I might be putting you through something here. I might be putting us both through something here. But uh, Pink Floyd, The Wall. Oh wow! I know, I know. I. How can you have any pudding if you haven't eaten your meat? <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna answer that question. Excellent. Yeah. I look forward to it. Uh, you know, we're gonna go from proto punk to. Music all of the punks hated. <laughs> and, you know, see if they were right. Maybe they were right. I, I don't know. I honestly, like, I, I don't know. I can't remember the last time I listened to The Wall, so this would be fun. Yeah, I I listened to it while taking Og for a long walk, and I, you know, I had, I had reactions that we'll get into. Excellent. Let's put it yeah. that way. Um... Thank you for listening. I am Keith Pilly. You can find me un- until Twitter goes down. I guess I'm there until the ship sinks. You can find me at Twitter or on Twitter at Keith Pilly. And I'm Chad Cook. You can find me on Twitter at Cook6252. I tried Mastodon, but uh, yeah, it's uh, not know, good. At this point, I-, I feel like Mastodon is like the boat, like swinging in the davits. You know, that we jump into when we have to. But My Mastodon handle is at Chimp McKinsey at Mastodon.world. <laughs> Which is a great fucking handle. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, 
I still think Twitter's going to go down, honestly. I think we're going to be on Mastodon by 4th of July. Excellent. Um, I, I look forward to continuing my, my trend of having Strange Brew references from the movie Strange Brew. That's, there are none finer. Um, whatever platform you find us on, we seriously would love to hear from you. Um, it's anything you like or don't like. You know, you are a Jonathan Richmond partisan or hater. Um, you think I'm completely wrong about the cars? I don't know. Just fucking call us out. Yeah, call me out. Or, or yeah, if you want to, if there's an album that you're interested in hearing, yeah, absolutely. That would be cool. Please, yeah, taking requests. Absolutely. Uh, if you dug the show, please tell people about it. Go to wherever you found it and leave a review. Um, thanks again. And we'll talk to you, I imagine, pretty soon. As we uh, as we climb over the wall, do we need no education? <laughs> we don't need no education. <laughs>